Pastor Tom and his family are taking a little break, a little rest this week. Um, we know that they definitely deserve that for everything that they do. Amen. So we keep them in, in our prayers. I know uh, Pastor Tom is definitely watching, um, if I know him at all. <laughs> so we welcome him and everyone else who's joining us online this morning. Um, and this uh, service will also be available for podcasts afterwards at uh, our church's website. And um, one more piece of business, if you are um, interested in giving a tithe or offering this morning, uh, we don't pass a plate around. We have actually some giving boxes in the back of the sanctuary that you're free to use, um, as well as downstairs by our Connections Cafe, and you may also give online if you are so inclined to do so. Um, so who's excited to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Amen. Always a pleasure, especially with the kind of year that we just had. It is absolutely a pleasure and a privilege and an honor that I know I'm not going to be taking for granted anytime soon um, that we can actually gather in person now. Um, so with that, without any uh, further ado, I believe uh, I'll get started this morning. Um, so today I get the privilege of carrying us on in a powerful teaching series we've been in called God's Promises. God's promises. Did you know that there are almost 9,000 promises throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? 9,000 promises. So I hope you're all very comfortable. We're going to be going through each and every one this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Today I want to focus in on one important key foundational promise. So if you have your Bibles on you, I would invite you to turn with me. We'll be in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. It'll also be up on the monitors here for you this morning. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, and it says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, say that with me, you will be free indeed. You'll be free indeed this morning. Father God, we bless the reading of your word. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you would have speak to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So as Americans, we value freedom, right? Our nation was founded on the principle of liberty and justice for all. Our First Amendment protects our freedom of speech, of press, assembly, freedom of religion, and dozens more rights. The Statue of Liberty stood as a symbol of freedom for hundreds and thousands of immigrants. My great-grandfather, and I'm sure a lot of your ancestors as well, coming into Ellis Island, um, looking to call America their home. Our country may not look pretty right now, right? There's a lot of divide going on, but the freedom and the rights that we're afforded here are truly amazing and are the foundation of who we are as a nation and as people. Political freedom is an amazing and truly a blessing that we're blessed to have, but I want to talk to you about a different kind of freedom this morning. A freedom that is freely given and can be experienced regardless of where you live or what type of government that you live under. An eternal freedom that is promised by God, especially for you, and that is spiritual freedom. So the promise that we're going to be focusing in on is this morning is God promises us true freedom. True freedom. But how do we get there, right? Freedom is a great thing. How do, we, how do we access that? How do we make that a part of our lives? The first step in experiencing true spiritual freedom in your life is to know the truth. 
to know the truth. We live in a time where there are so many opinions, so much information, so many different news outlets, and so many different influencers and all that kind of thing. So much noise that sometimes it can be hard to hear your own thoughts, let alone figure out what you should be listening to or believe in, or let alone the truth, find out what truth is. Every time you open your phone or every time you turn on the TV, you scroll through the news or social media, there's a different person telling you that this is what's in now, this is what's trending, this is what you should believe, this is how you should think, this is how you should act. So how do we as believers know what to believe? How do we know what the truth is? Jesus says in verse 31 that if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. So there's two parts I want to kind of camp out here and break down for you this morning. Let's start with the, if you hold to my teachings part. There's other versions of the Bible that say it this way. If you continue in or if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So we see Jesus is saying here that it's not enough to only confess with your mouth and say, Jesus, I need you, but just carry on living the same way that we always have. Or it's not enough to just think in your mind and say, Jesus, be the Lord over my life, but never put those thoughts into action in your life, right? Don't get me wrong. Those are good things, but what Jesus says truly makes you a disciple or a follower of his is to abide in his teachings. In other words, we need to make the word of God not a priority, but the priority in our lives, When we truly learn to abide in God's word, we are completely at home in it right? We don't just drop by as an occasional guest on Christmas or Easter, call that a creaster. We're not creasters, right? We, we are at home in it. We, we, when you come to abide in God's word, you come in, you kick your shoes off, take your jacket off, you stay a while, right? Think about your own house, right? You know it like the back of your hand, right? I'm sure if some of you were blindfolded, you could probably walk around your house and, and get through with only a couple of black, black and blues or bruises. <laughs> but for the most part, you know your house like the back of your hand. You know where, to, where the first place is that you look when you lose the remote for the TV. You know where you spackled up that hole in the wall. You know where the squeaky floorboards are that you try to avoid at night so you don't wake anyone up, right? That's how, it's your, it's, your spa- it's your safe space from all the craziness that's going on in this world. It's what you look forward to going to after a long day at work or, or out in this world. You don't think twice about anyone judging you there, right? You're completely free to just be yourself. That's what God's word should be for us. That's what Jesus is saying when you abide, when you continue, when you make his word the priority in your life. That's what it should be for you. We need to know it intimately, every nook and every cranny, to be completely comfortable in it, to allow it to leave its mark on us and to change us as people. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17, he says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why Jesus says knowing and abiding in his word leads us to be true disciples or or true followers of him. When we really get to know and spend time in God's word, it is impossible for us to stay the same. It's impossible to stay the same. How many of you have heard the expression, you are what you eat? Right, you are what you eat. I believe that our souls are the exact same way. In us, we have our spirit in our flesh, or the godly conscience that God gives us, or our desire to live life our own way and do things the way we've always done them. 
The Apostle Paul illustrates this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 7. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, he says, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The truth is, at the end of the day, you can only serve one of these masters, right? You can only serve your spirit, the godly conscience that, that God gives you, or you can serve yourself and your flesh and what you want to do with your life. The stronger one will always win, and the stronger one will always be the one that you feed more. If you fill up your life with the things this world says will satisfy you, you'll have no room to feed your spiritual life. It's kind of like at Thanksgiving when you fill up on turkey instead of the sides, which everyone knows is the real best part. Your mac and cheese, your mashed potatoes, all that. Right? That's what the real thing is. Your life will always serve what you put on the pedestal. Right? On the other hand, if you fill up your life with, with God's word, you'll see chains begin to break all around you and in your family. Why? How do I know that? How can I say that with such confidence? Because you're not speaking from your own strength at that point. You're standing on God's promises. You're standing on God's word, the word of an everlasting God who created the entire universe. Because I know that his word says we, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world, right? God says they have divine power for, to demolish strongholds, to loose chains, to set the captive free. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come on, you got to get excited about that. This isn't just some book that we read out of some religious obligation or because we have to. It's life. It's, it's a living and breathing word from God. When you do that, something begins to stir in the spiritual realm. You can stand up to the plans of the enemy and declare, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You can speak life into any situation you find yourself in and declare, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my shield, Greater is he that is living in me than he who is in the world. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is power in God's word. Power in God's word. This is how we fight our battles and take back our freedom, not in our own strength, but standing on the promises of God, of the living God and his word. Some of us are a lot like the Jews that Jesus is talking to in this passage right? He said, or they said in verse 33, we are Abraham's descendants, right? And have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? How can you say that? You see, they thought they already had it all together. They thought they were good. They didn't, they didn't think that they needed the freedom that Jesus was talking about because they were descendants of the great Abraham. Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. He literally spoke with God and, and knew him intimately. They're thinking, I mean, that has to count for something, right? They didn't think that they needed the freedom Jesus was offering because they thought they were good enough on their own. And whether we realize it or not, a lot of us have the same attitude when we think about God, right? We say things like, I'll make it to heaven because I'm a good person. Right? I go to the soup kitchen, I, I help out on, you know, the first Thursday of the month, and I, and I, I serve my community that, like that, or, I, you know, I serve at my church once or twice, you know, a month, and I cover that. Those aren't bad things. Those are, those are really good things. 
or people say my mom and my grandma go to church and they pray for me, right? So I'm covered with them. It's not really my thing, but, you know, they go to church. They have their relationship with God. So, you know, I'll just piggyback off that. But what does Jesus say in verse 34? He says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Has anyone ever sinned here this morning? Right, if you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned because you're lying to yourself. So, <laughs> as long as we're all on the same page here. The reality is, is that we're all slaves to sin. Jesus isn't saying that one sin automatically enslaves you and negates your entire salvation and you have to start over every time you, you slip up or make a mistake. But he's saying, hey, if this is a habitual thing, Right? If, you're, if you're continuing on and abiding in this sin instead of abiding in my word, then it has a mastery over you. It's, it's controlling your life. You serve that sin. Sometimes it's obvious and easy to see like in cases of addiction. Other times it's that secret sin like greed or lust that you, you see only on the inside that, that eats away at your heart and your soul. Whatever it is, sin keeps us bound and unable to experience the true freedom and the life that Jesus wants us to have. You see, the thing is that sin tricks us into thinking that we're doing what we want already and that we already have freedom, right? We don't need God. We're already doing things that we want to do. It tricks our minds into thinking that God is the one who keeps us from living the life that we want. God is the one who puts us in a box and, you know, we can't live the life that we want to do. If that's the case, then why do alcoholics keep drinking? Why do drug addicts keep chasing that first high? Why do workaholics keep on chasing that corporate ladder and idolizing their jobs instead of spending time with God and their family? And if you get nothing out of this message, let it just be this one statement. Nothing in this life will ever satisfy you like being fully known and loved by the God who created you. Nothing this world has to offer you will ever satisfy you like being fully known and loved by the God who created you. See, we all have God-shaped holes inside of our hearts that we try to fill in one way or another with the things of this world, the things that people promise will bring happiness. People promise will bring fulfillment and satisfaction. From the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis, sin entered the world and put us at odds with God. But how many of you know that God never leaves us bound in chains? Right? God never leaves us where he found us. There's always more Instead, he sent his son Jesus to this earth to pay the ultimate price for our freedom on the cross. That is why Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We should no longer be slaves to sin. See, when Jesus died for us on the cross, our old self, our sin, our shame, our addiction, our bondage was put to death along with him. Why? Because God knew that was the only way for us to ever truly be free from sin, to ever experience true spiritual freedom in our lives. So now we serve a new master who gives us joy instead of sadness, who gives us peace in the place of anxiety, a new identity as sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, a master who satisfies every want and every desire in our hearts. And the truly amazing thing about this freedom is that it's freely given to us. It's freely given to us. There's no amount of, of striving. There's no amount of doing. There's no amount of good works that we could ever do to earn it in our own strength. 
It's a gift that only needs accepting when you choose to serve Jesus with your life. Let's look at what Jesus said in verse 35. He says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. See, Jesus has taken us from being caught up, tied down, shackled up in sin, and gives us a permanent place in his family as sons and daughters. I mean, really, just take a minute and think about that. Let that sink in. Because I think as, as a lot of us, you know, come to church and everything, it's easy to just let these things kind of go over our head. We, we've heard them a lot of, for a lot of us, our whole lives. Right? We've heard it put this way, you know, Jesus came down to save us. We all know John 3.16, but really let that sink in. It doesn't matter what people labeled you in the past. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have in your bank account. It doesn't matter where you grew up or, or what you grew up with, a broken or a healthy family. It doesn't matter because when Jesus looks at you, he calls you his son and his daughter. See, the thing is, when Jesus frees you, you not only leave the old things behind, right? Like we talked about, Jesus frees you to enter into new things. He, he opens doors that were closed, and he provides a new way. He frees you to enter into new things. Where there was death, he's breathing in life. Where people brought condemnation and shame on you, he now calls you forgiven. Instead of living your life obsessing over money and the things that this world says will fill you, he gives you spiritual gifts to enrich your life and the people around you. Jesus frees us so that we can thrive in this life, not just barely scrape by. Jesus wants you to thrive. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. That they may have life and have it more abundantly in Jesus' name. We serve a generous God who wants to lavish his love and his blessings on his children. But the freedom doesn't stop with us. We need to live like we're free. Someone say that. We need to live like we're free. Yes. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Jesus calls us to serve one another in love. And the great thing about Risen King is there are tons of opportunities to do that here. Whether it's volunteering in our Connections Cafe or ushers team or going out to the streets of Patterson and meeting people where they are, serving them a hot meal and praying with them. There's tons of opportunities to do that. And the fact is that serving is the sign of a mature Christian. Serving is a sign of a mature Christian. And I think that so often in, in American Christianity and modern Christianity in general, we are obsessed with being consumers, right? We, we think, oh, what can this church do for me? What can I get out of this church? And, and if this church, the carpet isn't what I like or the music isn't what I like, I'm going to go to this church and see what kind of stuff they have. And then a month later, I'm bouncing back to the church I left because they did something that offended me. And we get caught up in this circle. We never put roots down and, and get part of a community. And we're obsessed with consuming when really we should be contributing, contributors to the church, asking what can I do to help this church, or how can I partner with this church and, and move forward the mission that God's called them to? The fact is, is that this is your church. This isn't my church. This isn't Pastor Tom's church. This isn't Boris's church or, or Orion's church or Bridget's church. This is our church, and it's our responsibility to move the, the mission forward. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So if Jesus himself is saying he didn't come to serve but to be served, I mean, sorry, the other way around, he didn't come to be served but to serve, how much more should we be willing to get out there and serve our church and our community, right? And this isn't about you owing your time to the church out of some religious obligation, and if you don't serve twice a month, then we're going to kick you out of the church or anything like that. No, it's something much deeper than that. It's about spreading the freedom that Jesus freely gave you to the people who still need to hear about it. And there's a famous theologian by the name of John Piper, and he talks about true freedom in one of his sermons. He says, here are four things that need to be true if you're going to be fully free. Number one, you need the freedom of desire. In other words, you need to actually want to do something, right? Number two, you need the freedom of ability, the skills to be able to do that thing. Number three, you need the freedom of opportunity, the chance to actually do it, to have an opportunity. And if you have the desire to do something and the ability to do it and the opportunity to do it, but it destroys you in the end and you're not fully free when you do it. And he illustrates this point with uh, an example of skydiving. Has anyone ever been skydiving here? No, me either. (laughs) Say say you want to experience the thrill and the freedom of skydiving, but on the way to the airport you get in a car accident and and you, you can't get there. So you lack the freedom of opportunity, he says. Or suppose you get there, but you didn't take the required class so you don't know how to operate your parachute. Terrifying. You lack the freedom of ability, he says. Or you get to the airport, you take the classes, you go up to the plane, but when they open the door and you look down, you're paralyzed with fear. That would be me. He says you lack the freedom of desire then. You don't want to jump. But there's one last requirement for true freedom, right? Suppose you get to the airport, you took the classes, you go up in the plane, you look out the door, you can't wait to jump, you're excited. So you jump and you're enjoying the freedom of of free falling through the air, but your parachute is defective and you're going to smash into the ground. You're not truly free because what you're doing is going to destroy you in the end. To go back to his definition, he says, you are fully free when you have the desire, the ability, and the opportunity to do what will leave you with no regrets forever as I invite our worship team to come forward as I close. So when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you the desire to please him. He gives you the ability to obey him as you walk in the spirit who lives in you. He gives you the opportunities daily to say no to sin and to selfishness and to serve others in love. And you will be with Jesus in heaven forever with no regrets that you left a life of sin to follow him. He's the only one who gives us true freedom. So if you find yourself trapped in sin this morning, I'm here to tell you that there is freedom in Jesus' name. And that's just not some church talk. It's not just something that I get up and say on Sunday morning. This is life-changing truth. There is no condemnation. There's no shame. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. The only thing that matters is what Jesus did to free you and to give you abundant life. Let's worship this morning.